Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Welcome to Faith Assembly of God today. So good to have you guys here. How many are ready for what God's going to do? Listen, I, I'm excited about what's going to happen this morning. Many of you guys have been praying and fasting all week long, waiting on the Lord, and I believe we're just going to have a great time in the Word together. Take your Bibles out and turn to Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 15. Uh, we, we think of watchmen in, in the Word of God, and more frequently we think of the watchmen on the wall. And he says, I saw for a watchman who would stand guard over the wall, over the city of Jerusalem. I looked for a watchman who would stand in the gaps. And we're familiar with those passages, but I believe there's also a watchman needed for the garden. A watchman was used in two different ways. There were watchmen who stood on the walls and guarded the cities. There were watchmen who also stayed watch in their garden or in their vineyards. And so we're going to look at the first illustration of that today. So let's stand together for the reading of God's word, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 15. And while you're turning there, let me remind you of a couple of things. Tonight we're going to pray again. We had a wonderful time here last Sunday night, waiting on the Lord, seeking God. But now we're going to Monk's Corner. And our Monk's Corner campus is as you go up uh, 17A out of town, and then when it splits off, if you'll take 52 to the left towards Bono, on the left-hand side, you'll see our Monk's Corner campus. And so tonight, we're going to post watchmen in Monk's Corner. And we're going to pray for that area. We're going to pray for that region. We're going to have a great time waiting on the Lord. That will be at 6 o'clock. And you are reminded, if you can join with us to be there, have a great time together. One more announcement very quickly is this is the last day to sign up for your missions trip to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. It will be the end of April. I need doctors, nurses, construction workers, or spiritual counselors. And if you want to go, we have a great price on it this year. And uh, you might want to check that out. If you've never been on a missions trip, it will transform your life. But we need to get an idea because I need to reduce seats this week, depending on how many sign up. All right. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 15. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it tend it and to keep it father we love you so much we thank you god for your sweet presence today we thank you god that it's in you we put our trust in our faith i thank you god that you are with us today your presence is so real and i pray now that you'll minister through your word your word is life it is truth it is yea and amen and i thank you god lord open up our hearts this morning we pray in jesus name Amen. Turn to someone and tell them they look great today, and then you may be seated. He placed Adam in the garden to tend it and to keep it. To keep it. The the word for keep there in the Hebrew language is the word shamar. 
And it's one of the words that's used in the word of God for the watchman or to watch over, to watch. And so he says, he says, I want you in the garden. I want you to watch over it and I want you to keep it and I want you to guard it. Adam had responsibility to protect the garden. And he is watching for the evil one. He is watching for the serpent to come in so that he might protect his family and so that he might guard and protect the garden. You notice something that's kind of interesting. When you see Satan come in, when you see the serpent come in, Adam and Eve aren't surprised by a talking snake. Right? I mean, mean, if if I'm in a garden and, and a serpent comes in and he starts talking to me, I might freak out. I might run. I might say, what's going on around here? What's happening here? But you, have, you get an idea from Scripture that, that Adam might have known or he might have been forewarned of God that this was coming about. It's the nature and character of God to warn us and to get us ready. And yet he's not surprised. And they enter into this dialogue with the serpent in the garden. The first responsibility of the watchman is to keep the serpent out of God's God-given gardens. That's our responsibility. That's our job. That's our duty. The problem is uh, the serpent has been encroaching our gardens ever since Adam and Eve. He has been coming and he has, he has sunk his venomous fangs into every level of society. December 14th, 2012, a 20-year-old named Adam Lanza shot and killed his mother at home, then drove to Sandy Hook Elementary School where he shot and killed 20 students and six staff members before killing himself. On October 2nd, 2006, Charles Roberts, age 32, who was a milk truck driver, took hostages and eventually shot 10 girls killing five, ages seven to 13, before killing himself at West Nickel Mine School at a one-room Amish schoolhouse in Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. Every year, 1,100 students commit suicide. In 2008, there were 733,000 pregnancies for teenagers ages 15 to 19. There were 13,500 pregnancies for teenagers under 14 years of age. About 31% of those will end in divorce. Forty years ago, Roe versus Wade, the serpent, came into America. We weren't watching our garden. He comes in, and, and since then, 60 million babies have been aborted. And this is the month that that all took place in January. 60 million babies. I want to tell you, the serpent has gotten into our government. He has gotten into our country he has gotten into our garden. He has gotten into our schools. Uh, he has gotten into our families. Uh, he has gotten into our youth. Uh, the serpent has come in. And the Bible says that we are responsible to keep watch over our garden. And God is looking for watchmen today who will, who will stay on their post, who will be involved in intercessory prayer, uh, who will take back the portion uh, that the poisonous Satan and serpent has come in and seized in our nation. He's looking for watchmen. How many are here going to answer the call? 
We must be spiritually militant and aggressive uh, as we deal with the serpent uh, and his stealing, killing, and destroying. We must get him out of our gardens. God is still looking for watchmen today. Uh, Watchmen are essential for ourselves uh, and our own spiritual health uh, and our own spiritual life. uh, And we are also called to be watchmen for others as well. And so I am looking for watchmen intercessors. Uh, I am looking for watchmen prayer warriors. Uh, I am looking for watchmen who will be engaged in spiritual warfare. Watchmen are wanted. They're wanted across our nation. They're wanted in our families and they're wanted right here at Faith Assembly of God, wanted, wanted, watchmen. Now, there are three reasons watchmen are so critical, and I want to give you those this morning, and uh, and they're on on the back of your bulletins if you want to follow along today. Three reasons watchmen are so critical. Number one, we first must understand our protection is not automatic. Our spiritual protection is not automatic automatic listen to first peter 5 and 8 he says be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour now listen he writes that to believers you be sober you be vigilant because you have an adversary out there who's trying to destroy you there is a part for us to play Though God is sovereign, it does not mean he literally controls everything that happens. Now follow me here. He is living, left much up to the decisions and operations of man to determine the outcome. God always partners with man. He works through man to determine the outcomes. The only sense in which it could be said that God allows everything that happens on the earth that happens is that he created certain laws and certain principles. One of them is the law of sowing and reaping. God set that in motion when he created the earth. And he said there's a certain natural law, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so he sets that law in motion, but we will determine what kind of harvest we reap by what I sow. I can sow to the flesh and reap corruption. I can sow to the spirit and reap righteousness. And so there's a partnership between God and man, cause and effect, the free will of human beings to govern their earth. And so he puts Adam and Eve, uh, he puts them in the middle of a garden, he gives them a choice, uh, he gives them responsibility. He says, Adam, it's up to you to guard the garden. It wasn't God's fault that Adam fell. He gave them responsibility. He gave them accountability. He gave them a a job to do. We implement the principles and we determine much of what we reap and experience in our own lives. It is truly God and humans working together. Now here's the problem. Satan also understands these laws and he uses them for his advantage. Listen to some of these ridiculous statements that kind of bear this out and, and, uh, about failures and mishaps and consequences. They're clearly the result of, of human sowing, 
and reaping. They're clearly the result of Satan getting into the garden and attacking and destroying and allowing him in because we fail in our job as watchmen. And so listen to some of these ludicrous statements. A young woman wrote James Dobson. Four years ago, I was dating a man and became pregnant. I was so devastated. I asked God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? Why have you, God, allowed this to happen to me? Now, we laugh at that, but don't we want to make God the fall guy for everything we've brought upon ourselves in this life and in our families? Why, God, have you allowed this to happen to me? Well, if you follow God's word, it wouldn't have happened. Here's another one, a professional boxer, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. He was from my generation. Slammed his Korean opponent with a hard right, causing a massive cerebral hemorrhage. At a press conference after the Korean's death, Mancini made this statement. Sometimes I wonder why God does things he does. He hit him upside the head. He knocked his brains loose. He killed the guy in the ring. Sometimes I wonder why God allows that to happen. Here's one you'll be very familiar with. Susan Smith pushed her two sons in her car into the lake to drown. At first, she tried to blame a carjacker for the deed. But later, when she was discovered that she was the one who did it, she wrote her confession. Listen to this. I dropped to the lowest point when I allowed my children to go down that ramp and into the water without me. I took off running and screaming, Oh, God, oh, God, no. What have I done? And then she says, why did you let this happen? Hollywood actress whose lover rolled off a yacht in a drunken stupor and drowned. She probably had not given thought to God in months, but when she was interviewed before the TV cameras make this statement, how could a loving God let this happen? Now, isn't this the way that that America thinks today? For every tragedy, for every heartbreak, for every trial, God, why did you let this happen? Well, it happens because we don't follow God's word. We don't pray. We don't guard guard our gardens. We don't wait upon the Lord. We don't put his principles into actions. We don't trust God. We don't believe in God. And then when we do our own thing and everything falls apart around us, what do we do? Oh, God, my family's a mess. Oh, God, my marriage is a mess. Oh, God, my kids are gone. What has happened? And we blame God when we need to look deep inside of ourselves. We have not served as watchmen in our garden we need to let the responsibility fall where it should if God were going to protect us and safeguard us from Satan's attack regardless of what we do then the verse be sober be vigilant be alert is totally irrelevant it has no meaning whatsoever So we first have got to understand it's our duty to protect the garden. Number two, it's the second responsibility of the watchman to be aware of Satan's tactics. If we are going to defend our garden, we've got to be aware of the devil, the enemy's tactics. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 11. Interesting verse. He says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. 
The implication is, if we are ignorant of Satan's devices, he will take advantage of us. Now, now that word take advantage literally means to hold the greater portion, or it comes from the, the, the idea in the Greek of an overreach, of a longer reach. Now listen to me. In boxing, the person who has the longest reach has often the advantage, right? He's got the longer reach. You can't get in close because his reach is so long, and he usually gets in more blows. He usually lands more punches because he has the longer reach. And so he says, we better not be ignorant of Satan's advantages lest he have an overreach on us or an advantage on us or lest he hit me upside the face and take me down. I better be aware of the enemy's devices or schemes. Genesis 3 and verse 1, I go back there to that first garden. And, 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 the, and he says, and, the, and this is the New International Version here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He was more crafty, everybody say crafty, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now let me, let me make a statement to you and I want you to get this. Satan is far more dangerous as a crafty serpent than he is a roaring lion. He is a sneaky, wily dude. And he's more dangerous as the type of a crafty serpent who we allow to slip into the garden than he is a roaring lion because you can hear the roaring lion coming and you can run. You can find a tree. You can do something to get out of there. That crafty serpent comes and you're walking around and he's right there by your foot and you step on him and he bites you. Far more people are killed by serpent bites than they ever are roaring lions. He's crafty. The word crafty can also be in translated cunning. And it means in the Hebrew, listen to this, the word crafty in the Hebrew means, or, or the Greek, it means to, to be bare or smooth. Now you say, where do you get bare or smooth is the root to crafty. Someone who is crafty or wily is slick. How many have ever heard the terminology slick? Slick. Or, or a smooth operator. He's a smooth operator. Satan is slick. He is smooth. He is cunning. And we must be wary of his attacks and his deceptions. Uh, And he is always seeking to kill, steal, and destroy, and to take advantage, or or grab the bigger portion, or or have the longest reach. Therefore, Paul says, we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, Adam was not wary enough of the serpent in his garden. Uh, He wasn't paying attention, and he let Satan invite uh, and violate his garden. Uh, I want to tell you, Satan is after our gardens. He is after us. He is after our families. He's after our homes. Uh, He's after our marriages. Uh, He's after faith assembly of God. He's after our nation. He's after our schools, and he's a serpent, and he tries to come into our garden. Uh, But God says, I have appointed you as watchmen. 
And if we don't pray, if we don't engage in spiritual warfare, if we don't seek the Lord, uh, then don't be surprised when things go awry in our lives. Our responsibility as watchmen is to keep Satan out. The third responsibility of the watchman is to remain watchful. Remain at your post. Remain on duty. Don't leave. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse number 18. Praying always. Everybody say, praying always. How much do we pray? Always. In all seasons, the word there is the word for seasons. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily the word for, for chronos. It's, it's not praying every moment of every day. That would be an impossibility, although we can keep God on our thoughts every moment of every day. But in every season, in every point of life, we are always praying. We are always seeking the Lord. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, there, I, Keep on going. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, I I said there were two kinds of watchmen in, in biblical times. There were those who watched on the walls of the city, probably the more common usage. But they also, in their gardens, would put watchtowers up or large rocks that when it was harvest time, uh, they would go out, uh, especially then because their crops were vulnerable to beasts, predators, people coming in, uh, or even stealing the crops. And so they would go out and they would watch over their vineyards or or they would watch over their gardens uh, and they would man a sentry there. Sometimes they would build a tower to get some height on it. Sometimes they would find a large rock or get a high vantage point so they could look over all their fields and all their garden. And what they would do, especially at harvest time, uh, they would have a 24-hour watch uh, so someone would work the fields uh, while the other would stand in the tower and watch out. Uh, and then they would switch around and, and that guy would go up and he would watch in the tower and the other would come out of the tower and he would sleep or he would rest or he would get his rest until they could switch back again. Uh, and they had this rotation so there was a 24-hour vigil guarding their harvest. Now I want to tell you, The serpent doesn't want us to see a harvest come in. He wants to come in and steal the harvest. He wants to take it away. He wants to rob us of the harvest. Seasons of harvest necessitate necessitate a more urgent need for watchmen because the thief is going to do all he can to steal the harvest and keep the greater portion. I want to tell you something. I believe At Faith Assembly of God, we are on the verge of one of the greatest harvests we have ever seen. I believe this year we're going to see more souls come into the kingdom than in any one single year in the history of this church. Okay, I can tell I'm the only one that believes that. Anybody going to agree with me on that? A great year of harvest. Listen to me. We are, I believe, the church is in the last days. And in the last days, he promised, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I believe we're going to see a great gathering of a harvest that God wants to send. But because it's also 
harvest season, we've got to be more diligent to be on our watch. Satan will try to divide the body. Satan will try to get our our minds off what God has called us to do. Satan will try to get us wrapped up in other stuff. And we and we and we we quit watching the fields. We quit watching, and the serpent slips right on in. The harvest, I believe, is the greatest time. Now, let me give you a couple biblical illustrations. In Acts 16, turn to Acts. I want to tell you two stories that that talk about the crafty serpent and how he will come in and uh and destroy the harvest Acts 16 you're in the early church there is a great revival there's an incredible harvest going on that early church was on fire spirit filled 3,000 saved then 5,000 men and then God added to the church and then the number multiplied and they were in a great harvest season in the early church it was that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It energized the harvest, and, and, and they begin to reap it in that early church. And so now they're in Acts chapter 16, and uh, Paul has gone, and he is in a city of Philippi. And uh, it says in Acts 16, 17, this girl followed Paul and us, cried out saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now Paul's trying to minister in that city and this demon-possessed girl follows them around uh, and, and it goes on for a while before Paul does anything. But she keeps crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God. Now listen to me. That demon was true. They were servants of the Most High God. It, it was a reality. It was true. Paul and Silas had been supernaturally led westward into Europe with the message of Christ. Their first convert in that region is a lady by the name of Lydia. But this girl with a spirit of divination, and the, the Bible says a spirit of divination, in, in the Greek language the word is puthon, P-U-T-H-O-N. It's, it's where we get our English word python from. And so she has the spirit of python or the spirit of a serpent or a snake demon-possessed. Paul discerns the demonic spirit, and he commands the evil spirits, the demons, to leave her, and she is delivered. And it sparks a great revival in that region, in that area. Now listen to me. Had Paul accepted her endorsement, it could have seriously damaged his credibility. It would have brought confusion to the church. It would have allowed a mixture of Christianity and divination to somehow work together, and it would have seriously damaged the credibility of the early church. But Satan's strategy, his attempt to come into the garden, his his attempt to destroy the harvest that God wanted to do in Philippi and in Europe was thwarted because Paul, acting under the leading of the Holy Spirit, acts as a watchman. He recognizes the demonic spirit, He recognizes the satanic attack. He would not accept the testimony of demons. And he says, come out. He acted as a watchman. And the gospel went forward and the church exploded. Listen to this quotation by Peter Wagner. This episode of strategic level spiritual warfare would affect the whole city of Philippi. Therefore, the more public the battle, the better. If Paul had cast out the python spirit the first day, 
few would have known about it. But when it finally happened, it turned out to be a major public display of the power of God over the power of Satan. And the territorial spirit over Philippi was thoroughly embarrassed. The strong man had been bound in the name of Jesus. The way had been open for the gospel to spread and for a powerful church to be planted. Isn't that incredible? In a way, God does. Paul served as a watchman, and a great spiritual warfare is won, and the heavens are opened over the region of Philippi. That's, that's awesome. The enemy tried to steal the harvest, but Paul discerned and dealt with the serpent, and a great church is planted. The first responsibility of the watchman is to protect the garden and keep the serpent out. Now, there's another instance of the crafty, crafty serpent in the Old Testament. And I want to show you that. I want to show you a failure. And I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 9 and verse number 4. The serpent tries to get in the Garden of Israel. Uh, Joshua is, they're conquering the lands around them. They have crossed the promised land. You're early in the book of Joshua. They've already taken down Jericho by chapter 9, and now they're going to take and divide up the whole region of Israel and conquer the land through warfare. And so you have a lot of typology even of spiritual warfare. Uh, But look at Joshua 9 and verse number 4. They worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins torn and mended. Now, the Gibeonites were one of the Canaanite tribes in the land of Israel. They lived right there. They were some of the tribes that God had told Israel to wipe out and destroy. He says, when I want you to go into Israel, I want you to take the tribes. Uh, I want you to possess the land. Uh, this is the land you are to have. Uh, and you're to get rid of all the idol worshipers, the Canaanites, uh, the, the Jebusites, and all those other sites that you see in the Old Testament. And there was a tribe called the Gibeonites. And their leaders got together, they see the handwriting on the wall, they say, you know what, we're about to get destroyed, we're about to get wiped out, we need to do something. And so they they put on a ruse. They were going to uh, act like they'd come from a long journey, and so they made their water bags look old, they made their clothes look old, uh, they threw dirt all over them, they came in traveling on their camels, uh, and it looked like for sure these guys are travelers from a far land. The serpent was trying to get into Israel. He was trying to bring compromise into the people of God. They deceived the Israelites into believing they'd come from our country. And so Israel enters into a covenant relationship with them. And he says, we'll never destroy you. Our people will be your people. We'll guard each other. We'll protect each other. You can live and dwell among us. Welcome in strangers and foreigners. Here's the problem. Joshua and the people failed to pray. They weren't keeping watch over their garden. They went by what they saw instead of what was happening in the spiritual realm. Now listen to me. If you always go by what you see, you will be deceived. You ever ever see some kind of magic act and they do the sleight of hand and all that and you're sure it's in this pocket? Because you watch with your eyes. But you're deceived. It's not there. It's actually 
in his coat or your coat or somebody else's. I don't know how they do that stuff. But you get deceived because you go by what you see. If we are going to be watchmen, we have got to be spiritual intercessors. We've got to be in touch with the heart of God and hear from him. Joshua and the people neglected to pray. They're deceived to make a binding covenant with the Gibeonites. The serpent had come into Israel's garden and was progressing wonderfully because the watchmen are asleep. The Israelites, though, were not without warning. God had warned them. He says in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 12, Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. He says, watch out. Take heed. Keep your eyes open. Don't make a covenant with the people of the land. Where you are going, lest they be a snare, or I could put the word snake in there, lest they be a snake in your midst. God saw it coming. God tried to warn them. God says, look out, don't do this. He says, take heed or watch, and the Israelites failed. There was even a moment in Israel when they, when they were suspicious of these guys. And you look at Joshua 9, 7, it says, Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make an agreement with you? How do we really know you've come from a long way? Perhaps you live in the neighborhood. And so God is trying to warn the Israelites, uh, but rather than heeding the word of God, uh, rather than heeding that, that prompting in their spirit, uh, heeding the caution, they act on what they see. The Israelites weren't watching. They did not inquire of the Lord. Things are not always what they appear. Now in Joshua 9, 4, it, it's describing the Gibeonites and their approach. And listen to this. It says, and they worked craftily craftily in the king james version it says they acted wilily everybody say wilily wilily they acted wilily listen to this listen to ephesians 6 and verse number 11 put on the whole armor of god that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil the gibeonites came and they acted wilily be on your guard be sober, be vigilant, put on your armor so you may be able to stand up against the wiles of the enemy. Now, I'm going to date myself here. But when we were kids, we used to love to watch The Road Runner. Anybody remember The Road Runner? Yeah. Me, me. Everybody who's ever seen The Road Runner, do that with me. Me, me. Okay, you're, you're true Roadrunner fans. And remember, the, remember the, the coyote that was after him? He was Wild E. Coyote. Wild, and then the initial E for his middle name, Wild E. Coyote. Wiley Coyote. And, and he was always trying to come up with ways to catch the Roadrunner. Now, for you kids today growing up, you don't, you don't appreciate good cartoons. You don't have the classics like we do. And, uh, and so you had the roadrunner, but the roadrunner always seemed to manage to escape the wily coyote's evil plans. 
But it was always kind of cool because the wily coyote would have this plan to catch the roadrunner. Not only could he not catch the roadrunner, but his plans often boomeranged on himself. Remember the anvil under the rope? The roadrunner st- stands under it, nothing happens. Wily coyote goes and checks it out. Bam, the anvil falls on his head. Or, or, uh, or he puts the rocket pack on his back, and he's going to catch, he's going to get enough speed to catch the roadrunner, and the roadrunner turns, and he goes right into the mountain, you know? And, and he's always, everything he tried to do, boomeranged on himself. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you, God has similar plans for Wiley Serpent. He's going to take his plans to destroy us to come into the garden, and they are going to boomerang on himself. His desire for us is to escape, and Satan's plan backfire on him. Now, how did the Gibeonites' plan ultimately backfire on him? Listen to this. This is really neat. The grace of God, even though Israel's deceived, even though they make this covenant with the Gibeonites, in verse 27 Because they had found out they were deceived, they couldn't kill them. They had to honor their covenant. So what do they do with the Gibeonites? They make them woodcutters. It says Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation, for the altar of the Lord. The altar of the Lord is the place where they place the blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins for Israel. The altar of the Lord, the day of atonement, the blood covering symbolizes the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Listen to me. Satan thought he had won uh, when he hung Jesus Christ on that cross. Uh, He was the serpent. Uh, He is bruising the heel of Jesus Christ. Uh, But the cross was the way that Jesus Christ uh, would smash the head of the serpent. And all of Satan's plans boomeranged on himself. He hangs on the cross and says, it is finished. The work has been done, which tells me when I fail and Satan slips into my garden and he slips into my family and, and I don't always catch him and I'm not always on guard and I stumble and fall along the way. God is still able through his grace to make the Satan's plans and strategies boomerang against him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. God can reverse the wiles of the adversary to bring us to God. And you know what happens is the serpent comes in and he messes up our lives and he messes with us and then we come encounter with the grace of Almighty God and what does he do? He gives us a testimony. And now for everyone who has gone through a, 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 a fractured, who has a, a, an addictive past uh, and God has set you three free uh, and the serpent tried to use that to take you out, uh, God's grace comes in uh, and now you're a testimony to every other drug addict and alcoholic uh, and person who's messed up out there. And for every marriage uh, that the serpent has been able to come in and break apart and destroy, uh, uh, when Christ Jesus comes in, uh, he gives you a testimony uh, and you can 
can talk to others about how God can save their marriage and God can redeem them and God can give them a second chance. Hallelujah. Joseph 50 and 20 says, the brothers who sold him into slavery, he says, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day the saving of many people alive. And God's amazing wisdom always supersedes Satan's craftiness. It supersedes Satan's wiliness. He may be crafty, he may be wily, but he is no match for the spirit of wisdom of God. God can turn our mistakes. God can turn our mistakes into his redemptive purposes. But for this to happen, you must run to God. You must go to God. You must seek out the Lord. Listen, if you if 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 you are reaping some things in your life that you have sown, I want to tell you God can boomerang that. And use that to mess up the enemy. And wily coyote, wily serpent will go right into the wall. He'll fall off that cliff. He's got no chance against the power of God. Now listen, this message is simple. We're called to be watchmen in our garden. You're responsible. Listen, you're responsible for your families. The school system's not. No one else is. This church is not even responsible for your family. We'll do what we can to help you and assist you. But you, parents, mothers and fathers, are responsible for your children. You're responsible for your families. Now listen to me. In the next couple of weeks ahead, I'm going to talk about how we are practical watchmen for our family and how we bring a blood covering over our family, how we can cover our families and how we can watch we're going to talk about being watchmen in our city and, and, and spiritual uh, watchmen on the walls and what that means. We're going to look at the city next week. We looked at the garden this week, the city next week. But the bottom line is some of you have not been watching. I don't know how else to say it. You haven't been watching. You haven't been looking out. You haven't been praying. You haven't been seeking the Lord. You haven't been waiting on him. And, and the serpent has come in, in in a lot of different ways in your own finances He's come into your marriage. Uh, he may have come into your family, and we've allowed him to come in. Uh, listen, I've got good news today. We can go to Jesus Christ. We can go to God. We can go to him who is greater. We do, are not going to let Satan take advantage of us. Now, you have been forewarned this morning. This has been a warning, so you're not ignorant to his devices. And so we're not going to let him get the greater portion. We're not going to let him take advantage of us. We're not going to let him have the overreach. But we're going to depend on the Lord. We're going to seek God. We're going to wait on him in in Monk's Corner tonight. We're going to pray and form a watchman battalion over that region and over that area. So any spirit, they have to go. There'll be an open heaven over that church. But some of you guys, the, the enemy's come in, and he's been in your garden, and he's bringing a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, and I've got good news for you. This morning, you can come to the grace of Almighty God. God can forgive. God can cleanse. God can take the messes we make of our lives and turn them around for his glory, and he can take you and give you an incredible testimony of God's saving power. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.